Today's reading is Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Uh, last week, uh, I talked about hospitality, and um, uh, I was talking about how uh, we have to practice hospitality, and someone showed me the articles, actually, the word practice means persecute. In other words, you really vigorously go after it. An example I gave was, you may have people around your house, and even if your dog throws up on the carpet, you still keep persevering in hospitality. And uh, on Facebook, Susie Huntsinger, uh, Susie, Susie here this morning? I'm sure I saw her. Yes, there they are. She posted this on my wall. She said, so, Sunday evening, Steve Huntsinger chose to practice hospitality, and he invited our new neighbours over for dinner. Just like your sermon, the dog just threw up on the carpet. <laughs> Thanks for your inspiration, Alex Absalom. <laughs> so I call that true discipleship, which is, you know, I model something. You, well. Okay, Mrs. Giles is going to join me for a moment. Let's give a round of applause for the glamorous Mrs. Giles. Come and stand here. So it's using this mic here. And um, so, quick question. Roughly, I'll ask this delicately as a beautiful young lady, how many years have you walked with Jesus? Well, at least 60 years. At least 60? Yeah. My goodness. And yet you're only 29 years yes. old. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I don't know how it? that happened, but... <laughs> okay. So, uh, today's theme is the goodness of God. And in a moment, Pat, who's walked with Jesus for all these years uh, and has had, you know, many excuses to perhaps bail along the way, but she's going to declare, lead us in a call and response declaration about God's goodness. So she's going to loudly say, God is good. And then you're all going to say, all the time. And then she's going to say, all the time. And you're all going to say, God is good. But let's do this with gusto, all right? Let's not do it pathetic. You lead us in this. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Okay. Round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> so we're thinking about mission and the goodness of God. Mission simply means where we get to join God in his activity to the world of redeeming and transforming people and lives and our culture. And our main passage today, we heard it read, but if you've got a Bible on your phone or with you in paper, just you want to have this passage open because we're going to come back to it multiple times. It's Galatians chapter 6. And uh, we heard uh, these words, there's an image on the screen, uh, particularly verses 9 and 10. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul says to us, uh, let's not become weary in doing good, uh, let us do good to all people. So in other words, he's saying we are called to be the people who do good to others. It's a representation of God's kingdom when we are exhibiting the goodness of God, when we do good uh, to others. And part of the mission that God gives to us is that we are called to be people who do good things in God's name. Uh, there's a 
parallel verse that came to mind in Acts uh, chapter 10. Keep your finger in Galatians if, you, if you've got it open, but just flip if you want to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and it says this. This is uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, talking to Cornelius and his friends when they uh, were inquiring about Jesus, and he says this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. There's three things there you see about the goodness of God. The first thing is this, that Jesus is described as someone who went around doing good. And that's one of the marks of Jesus, that he's someone who simply loved to do good things to other people, things that were full of kindness and compassion and mercy. Uh, He lived like that. Uh, He was a serving God. Secondly, uh, you see that when Peter starts to unpack what the goodness of God looks like, he talks about healing the sick. And it's interesting that that's the first thing he does. He says, uh, healing all those who are under the power, or literally the tyranny of the devil, those who are oppressed by the devil through sickness. And um, it seems to me that we need to recover this understanding that sickness is from the devil, it's never from God. And that he can use it, he can use it to shape us like he can use sin that we enter into to shape us, but sickness is not from him. And so to pray for the sick is a sign of God's goodness. Uh, Let me put it like this. I think sickness is to our bodies what sin is to our souls. Uh, And Jesus, when he died, he died to deal with both of those things fully and completely. Uh, And now some of us will experience perhaps the healing presence of God before we experience forgiveness and salvation. And some of us will be the other way around. But God wants us to understand both these things. I think Jesus talks about this in lots of different ways. It's often how he ties together praying for someone for healing and then talking about bringing forgiveness of sins. One of the ways he does this actually is in the Lord's Prayer where he has the phrase, deliver us from evil. And that's very interesting in the phrase. If you go and look at, uh, just to dig into it a bit, uh, that word evil means something that can be bad ethically, so like sin, but also something that's bad physically, so like sickness or when harm comes to us or anything like that but then the word that underlies that word for evil uh, literally means something that causes pain and then the root word for all this is a word that simply means poor or or being in poverty and so what we see is this this really holistic picture of what Jesus did so when Jesus died on the cross when his blood was shed for us he did that in order to heal us uh, to, to deliver us from sin from sickness from pain and from poverty. In other words, what Jesus does is he wants to transform every aspect of life and the universe, every aspect of our culture. That's part of the richness of who God is. So when we say God is good and God's about the business of doing good deeds, it's not just in one little narrow area, it's in every aspect of our lives. In every situation where perhaps you're, you're personally facing something or your friend is or your colleague or your family member, where you long to see God's goodness come, they all are encompassed by God's acts of goodness. And so therefore we can pray with boldness into those things. So you see, that's what Jesus is. Peter describes him as, as healing the sick. And then the third thing he says in Acts 10 is that God was with him. God was with him. And I think this is one of the keys that... Uh, Jesus was empowered by God's Holy Spirit to live in this way. In the same way, we have access to that same power, that same anointing from God, that uh, we can be empowered to live this out, to, to live out the goodness of God in tangible, specific ways wherever we go. So God is good. Jesus models this. Uh, another word we could use for the goodness of God is simply kindness. 
being kind. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. We've got it on the screen. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising, famous phrase here, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness and goodness leads us to repentance. Uh, Obviously, God's kindness is one of his major strategies, his expressions of his goodness. And he's doing it, when God is kind to us, he's not doing just some vague, politically correct, kind kind of fairly aimless desire to do something nice. God's actually ruthlessly focused. And he's focused on us being a people who have a repentant heart. In other words, we're willing to turn from stuff that pulls us away from God and in turn to, back to God in every area of life. Obviously, that's when we choose to come to Jesus and receive what he did for us on the cross when we receive Jesus as our saviour. But Jesus is not just our saviour, he's also our Lord. So there's always going to be areas in our lives where God's at work, he's bringing challenge, he's calling us to draw closer to him. So repentance is simply this process where we, it literally means a change of mind or a change of direction. So an example might be, one of you might say, um, uh, I used to brew tea, and then when I brewed it, I used to pour it over a load of ice. But since then, I have repented, I've had a change of heart, and now I drink it hot like the good Lord intended it to be drunk. So that would be an example of repentance. And God is constantly working in our lives, challenging us to repentance, not because he's mean or he's out to get us, but because he is good, because he sees the inherent potential that you and I, I have. So in every area of life, there's this invitation to step further into the goodness of God. And sometimes it might be repentance is from something that was good for them. Not, it's not necessarily sin. It could be that was good for then, but actually there's something more for now. Does that make sense? And so that's part of the process of maturing as well. And so kindness uh, flows into that because kindness leads us to repentance. Let's just think for a minute about why mission is so tied to God's goodness. And um, the the very simple reality is that God is good. We heard Mrs. Giles exclaim that to lead us in declaring that this morning. God is a good God. And I think often we can forget that. God is a good God in a number of different ways. Uh, First of all, he is the good shepherd. We've got an image on the screen. God is the good shepherd. Do you remember what Jesus says uh, in John's Gospel? Uh, You get to play Spot the Shepherd, by the way, from from looking at that. It's a great photo, that, isn't it? Wonderful photo, uh, and there's obviously a lot of richness you could just dig out of looking at that. But God is a good shepherd. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And uh, Jesus is the one who's come to give us abundant life. The, the enemy comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, life to the full. Then he immediately says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is shepherding mindset to us is that he wants us to enter into abundant life. Sometimes it feels like this sort of pathway here. We think, gosh, it's a bit scary, it's precipitous, and it's narrow, and I don't really want to do this. But we have to trust that God is a good God, and the reason he leads us on these pathways is because he wants us to enter more fully into abundance of life, into fullness of life. The journey sometimes is wonderful, sometimes it's tough, but that's what God's doing. Because, you know, we read in Psalm 23, surely your goodness and loving mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that's what our shepherding God does to us. He's a good God because he's a good shepherd. He's a good God because he gives us good gifts, secondly. God loves to give us good gifts in our lives. James 
uh, writes this, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So God is the source of all goodness and of all good things. Think of it like this. What someone creates is going to be a reflection of their character. And so God, in Genesis 1, we read of him creating the different parts of the universe. And uh, repeatedly, we, we, we pause and we look at this thing that he's created and we see it is good. And it's summed up, the summation of that chapter is God looks at his universe he's created and sees it is very good. So God is one who loves to give us good gifts. And, um, you know, we can all stop and think of times when we've received these good gifts from the Lord. We have to remember that he is a good God who loves to give us good gifts. And then thirdly, it's just very simple, that God is a good God because we know he is good to everyone. He's good to all. In Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And uh, God's goodness is poured out on all of us, generously and compassionately, even when we don't deserve it. God loves to do that. And um, here's the thing. When we believe that God is a good father and he is a good God, that will change the way in which we pray. I think sometimes uh, we have like doubt in our minds that God really is good. We think to ourselves, we create these theologies that say things like, well, um, maybe that affliction I'm going through that's actually God sent it to me because somehow it's going to make me a better person. Uh, maybe that illness is, he sent and it's because, you know, God wants me to have that at this time. And I want to say that's just a really warped perspective on the goodness of God and the father heart of God towards us. That's not who God is. Um, you know, if I, as a sinful father, manage to give good gifts to my kids, how much more will God our father give good stuff to us? Now, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where evil and sin still occur. We live in this battle between the kingdom of heaven coming and uh, the, the work of the enemy being pushed back. So we live in this in-between time. So yes, we, we all know, we experience, we have friends close to us who experience tragedy and, and, and bad things happening. But at the same time, that doesn't take away from the reality that God is good. Unless we believe God is good, how can we come and pray to him for deliverance from these things if we don't really believe that he's good? Unless we believe that God is good, how can we truly trust in him? Unless we believe that God is good, how can we find our hope in him and a sense of perspective when these things go on? We have to be absolutely rooted in the the reality that God is good. He is a good God. He loves us. He is a loving, good father. And yes, the stuff that goes on, and you know, we're not going to get into a theology of evil today, but nevertheless, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We have to believe that it has to be an anchor to our souls because then it guides and it will shape the way in which we live at our spirituality, the way in which we tackle life and we go through life. We have to believe that we follow a God who is so good to us in so many ways and he reveals his goodness in tangible ways. Flip back with me to Galatians 6. In Galatians 6, we read these words, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. Um, sometimes when we're weary, we feel a bit like this uh, creature here. We feel like we're the camel. Not only do we live in a desert, but there's also a sandstorm going on around us. And some person wants to ride on our back through this sandstorm across the desert. And quite frankly, I've had enough. I want to lie down and just spit at people who come close to me. <laughs> 
Anyone ever been in that situation where you feel that weary? Okay. And, and we do feel like that at times. And um, when Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, it's not saying, you, it's not saying being dishonest. You know, we, we do have these times. Jesus said, come to me, all you who feel weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the starting point, I think, when we feel like this, when we feel like that camel, is we start to be, be honest with God. Talk to him about it, pray about it, say, God, this is how I feel. And sometimes you need to have a good old moan to the Lord. And it might be in that place of moaning to God that he starts to change our perspective and our heart, okay. But, you know, he's not going to be surprised or shocked by anything you say. That's just a little, you might not realise that. He knows already what you think and what you feel before you do, before I do. So we can talk to him about this stuff. So I'd say start by being honest with him about it. But here's the thing. Um, Sometimes we just get so weary that we kind of give up following God. And uh, we become discouraged, we become tired, we become wrung out. And, um, you know, and some of that can just be a seasonal thing. Maybe, you know, for a lot of people you get to summer and it's like, oh, I guess have a little breathe out, perhaps get a vacation. Perhaps your rhythm's slightly more calm in the summer for, for some, not for everyone, I realise. But we have those points in the year where we get to do that, and, and that's good. Um, but there's something more going on here as well. Um, so a couple of thoughts around that. I think, obviously, firstly, it's great to ask God for rest and for renewal. There's times to have that. So if you're in that place, it's absolutely fine to say, God, you know, talk to him about it. It'd be great to have a good time of rest. When we go on vacation, and it'd be a great time of renewal and so on. Um, but secondly, I think I'd be encouraging us to think, when we feel like this dear camel, is saying, Lord, would you, would you send your Holy Spirit, like we read in Acts 10.38 with Jesus, that we will be anointed with power so we don't give up, but we keep on persevering. Because we believe, as Paul writes in Galatians, that if we keep on persevering, we will at some point reap a harvest if we do not give up. But here's the thing. It is easy to find the excuse to give up. So this is where I tie back into why I asked you to do that statement earlier, Pat. Uh, if you, I just want, this is going to be a quick congregational survey now. If you have walked with Jesus in active faith for 40 years or more, would you stand up, please? Some of you are trying to do the math, as I said, 40. But So if you walked with Jesus for 40 years or more, stand up. Okay, I think the rest of us should honour them with a round of applause. So stay standing. Okay, so here's the thing. These folks, all right, you're sitting down, aren't you? You're all feeling shy and coy. But those folks who were standing, they are all, I absolutely guarantee, they have all had so many opportunities where they could have given up on following Jesus. They will have had so many perfectly rational, in our heads, uh, reasons where they could have given up. They've been frustrated with the church. They've been annoyed by other believers. They've had prayers that haven't been answered. They've had crushing disappointments or whatever in life uh, because we know that's part of the, the tapestry of, of living through life. They will have had every excuse possible to give up, but they haven't. But they've persevered. But they've chosen to keep on going. Not necessarily, sometimes with things they, want, they know they're never going to get the answer to in this life, but they've kept on persevering in following Jesus. And they've chosen to do that because one of the reasons is because firstly they know they follow a God who is good and the second they know that they will reap a harvest if they do not give up. They keep pressing on. 
it's interesting, um, in that passage where Paul says, um, we're gonna, he says, we'll reap a harvest in due time, or as we have opportunity. The word he uses there, it's actually it's the same word, he uses it twice, and it's a, it's a specialist word in the original Greek, which is a special word for time. Now, in English, we have one word for time, 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 we just use that. In Greek, there's lots of words, as some of you know. So, uh, two in particular. One is chronos, which is calendar time, so chronology, we get those words from it, chronological order. But there's this other word, kairos, which is what Paul uses here. And kairos time is almost where time stands still. It's this moment where you have this opportune time. So, for me, the first time I ever glimpsed Hannah, my heart leapt out of my chest, and it was a kairos moment, a kairos opportunity. Time, chronos time mattered nothing to me at that moment because there was this divine opportunity ahead of me as I saw this beautiful young lady. And we all have had kairos moments, moments where you just know the presence of God is there, moments where there is this divine opportunity, where, where, where calendar time doesn't seem to matter anymore in that moment. And what Paul is teaching us here is that as we are faithful in the chronos time, as we keep doing good, just day in, day out, with our neighbours, with our friends, with our family, with our colleagues, and that's in chronological time, chronos time. We keep being faithful doing that, year after year, month after month, whatever. There will come these moments where suddenly kairos time breaks in, where you get a sudden rapid acceleration, where you get that amazing conversation or where someone is healed, or where you get this great opportunity. And it doesn't seem to make sense when and where it comes, but those times come, those kairos moments will come, you'll get rapid breakthrough. And so, what we can control is our, our choice to live a life of goodness, representing Jesus in chronos time, in everyday time. And then when God sovereignly chooses, we will see these kairos breakthrough moments. So let's just, as I wrap up, let's just think about some ideas of what it would look like for us to live in chronos time, in our regular time, say, just over this summer season now, the next two or three months, just some practical ideas on how we can live uh, lives of goodness, representing God's, that we follow a good God. So, um, so what if this summer, we all agreed, as a church, we all agreed, we're going to have rest and renewal, summertime, good, let's do some of that. But at the same time, let's also agree that we will do kind and good acts as well. Just as we live out our lives. So it might be, very simply, we prayerfully pick some fresh fruit and get some nice cheese and plate it up and take it round to a neighbour and say, here, have, have a great weekend, Jesus loves you. Or what about if um, you call up, I'm thinking, say, high school, college age, what about if you're going down to the bay one day this summer and you choose to call up that kid who's a bit awkward or a bit lonely and isn't really in your social circle, but you invite them to come with you as you go down to the beach for the day with the gang. Or what about you just choose to mow the lawn of, of a neighbour when they're away? Or maybe you, um, you're, um, there's someone you know who's perhaps a bit discouraged. You choose just to write them a lovely, kind note, talk about some of the things that you just love about them and you admire in them and you value in them. Or what if uh, you're down at Steelcraft and you're on the bleachers there and you choose to scooch up along your table and you invite some people to sit with you and you just end up talking and chatting and sharing with them? Um, or what if a story I heard the other day, someone was telling me about uh, uh, being at work and they're at the photocopier and there was one of their colleagues came up who was obviously in a lot of pain, bandages all on their arm and um, they were just talking and this person heard themselves saying, can I pray for you? 
And when inside, the head's going, why did I say that? That's a dumb thing to say. I never pray for the sick. I don't know what the magic words are. And, uh, but the person they're talking to is then looking at them saying, tears welling up in their eyes. I'd love you to pray for me. So then they're stuck. They have to pray for them. So they put a hand on <laughs> and just pray this real kind of awkward, simple, but Jesus-focused prayer. And they get healed there and then right in front of them. What if, you know, what if we see God do stuff like this? Yes, I agree, it's worth a round of applause. But what if we see God do stuff like that? Um, you know, let's be the people who, who don't just take one cup of coffee or one apple into the office. Let's be the ones who take two, and then you give the spare one to that colleague you like the least. I don't know. I mean, let's, you know, but let, let's be like people. Let's be like the model we heard from Acts 10, where Jesus went around doing good. Going around doing good is just those little everyday things a lot of the time. And it's both being natural, it's being supernatural, but it's living out of this reality that we follow a Father who is a good God. And so therefore, everything's open. Everything's fair game. We can just represent the goodness of God in those places. I heard another story, uh, uh, someone told me this week, about a, a, a church that got planted simply out of them representing the goodness of God. And what happened was that there was a group of people there had this vision to plant a church, start a new church, and they were going to meet in this community centre that was used by lots of groups during the week, including a kindergarten. And the kindergarten had run out of money. It was serving quite a vulnerable area, didn't have enough money, it was, it was going to have to close its doors. This, church, this group who were going to start this church had been fundraising, they collected a load of money, they were going to buy you know, some great equipment and resources for their, for their services and stuff. And they really felt God called them to give all the money they'd raised away to the kindergarten to keep its doors open. And so they did that, its doors did stay open, and the level of favour and opportunity that came from it really supercharged, actually, the growth of the church in a way no one could have foreseen or expected. They, d- they didn't give it away with those strings attached, but just God's kairos moment came as they were faithful in the chronos moment of being generous with their money. You see, for us, whether it's big or little, this is a lifestyle, this is for us today, that we can be a people who live out the goodness of God. And, that, and simply by living out the goodness of God with a, with a bold humble confidence that we're doing this in the name of a God who is himself such a good God and he's interested in every aspect of our lives I mean it's going to be so much fun so you can have so much fun with this all of us can do this from the young I see see you know uh, elementary age upwards in here all of us can do this we can all do good deeds every one of us can do good deeds and um, we just do them, and we're faithful, and we keep on doing them, and we trust that God will use them. And when those little moments of opportunity, kairos opportunity come, then we can follow God down those wormholes as well. So um, we're going to pray for that now. So we're going to have a little time to pray, and then, um, and then Will's going to lead us in communion, and Beth's going to lead us in worship as we continue to f- focus on our God who is good. And um, uh, I feel like we need to do the prayer a bit differently. So I think we're going to do a little commissioning thing for the goodness of God. And we're going to do this to one another. So it's going to get maybe to stretch you slightly. So what I'd like you to do is, in a moment, um, I want you to get to twos or threes and just with somebody sitting there and simply we're going to pray for them. We're going to say, I commission you to do acts of goodness in Jesus' name. All right? So with boldness, we're going to say that to each other. They're going to pray a blessing over us, all right? So get into twos or threes now, ready to do this.
Okay, if you don't know who you're with, just introduce yourselves. Tell them your name. All right. All right, stop chitter-chattering. This is a church. We don't do all this. Come on. All right. So, to your neighbor, just as you're with them, say, I commission you to do acts of goodness in Jesus' name. Do that now. And then here's how we're going to pray together. So I'm going to, we're going to do our declaration together. So if we're ready, God is good. All the time. Okay, let's give him a round of applause because God is good. <laughs>